Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of F Words. Today, I introduce Hannah Gelber as this pod's second guest. I'm not really sure how to describe my relationship with Gelber. We have known each other since we were babies and have grown up together. She'll tell you that we went through a phase where I bullied her, but I'll tell you that all I did was not laugh at her not funny jokes. In the end, though, we finished strong and she's the triplet of my twin duo. Gelber is a born and bred Miami Beach native. She loves all things Miami Beach, whether it's a COVID mask that Romero Brito designed or dank restaurants, and will never pass up the opportunity to mention that her dad is the mayor. She is a current student at the University of Michigan where she studies political science and history and hopes to go to law school afterwards. She knows every word and ad lib to the songs Bohemian Rhapsody, American Pie, and Day Rape by Sublime. And you absolutely cannot hang out with her and not expect to be eating or talking about eating a crazy meal and the memories that come with it. With that, I am so excited to roll through some questions about the election and all things food in this F-Words episode. Let's get started. So, hey, Gelber, how are you? Hi, what an introduction. What an introduction. Wow. Do you think it summarizes everything well? Yeah, you hit all the main points, I'd say, of my personality. Okay, good. Good. You guys will see more of her music tastes in the playlist that's going to be released about her. But um, yeah, before we begin with questioning, um, just wanted to catch up a little bit. Like, are you excited for to go to Miami next week? What's been going on? Obviously, the past week was crazy, which we'll get into later in the election portion. But yeah, what's been going on? Yeah, so I've been pretty consumed with the election. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Ann Arbor right now is pretty warm weather. It's been 75 degrees every single day for the past week. So thinking about going to Miami has sort of been on a back burner because usually at this time of the year, it's like snowing in 20 degrees, but I'm still really excited. I haven't seen my family in I think three months, which is probably the longest I've ever gone. And then also like, of course, I'm excited to go home to Miami Beach, my favorite place in the entire world and see all of you. Yeah, exactly. We just saw each other in Gainesville, so I'm excited to get back to Miami and see everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the reason that I kind of brought on Gelber this week is because um, everything that happened with the election, I thought she'd definitely be a good person to kind of look back and and reflect on and also just like um, the apparent like love for food that we share. Um, Obviously, it's a different take than what we did last time with Ben just more sports focused but um, definitely wanted to integrate this in so excited to get started um, to start things up we're going to talk about food so I guess to get started um, let's just talk about your love for food where does that come from um, do you have any family or friend memories that revolve around food how did that love kind of start if I'm going to be honest I think every single one of my memories has food involved. Like there's sort of a joke in my family that when we go on vacation, we just plan out activities to do around meals. Like it's not the other way around. Like basically my entire life for as long as I could remember, like I've been obsessed with food. I love good food, trying a million different things. Like it's just, I'm a, I'm a foodie at heart. And I guess a lot of that came from loving to cook. I so I loved to bake early on with my grandma. Um, we would do that a lot on the weekends. Um, other than that, I just enjoy trying new things. I don't know everything about it. Just the experience that comes with 
trying out a new food palette, I guess. So what's like top memories of vacations that revolved around food, like top restaurants or top meals? So when I went to New Orleans a few years ago, we went to crazy restaurants, like tried delicious gumbo. Oh, the beignets were like the bet with the highlight of the week. And that was our first stop after getting off the plane. Like just New Orleans is a crazy city and like it was awesome exploring, but especially the restaurants just just put a chef's kiss on it. Like it was great. For sure. Obviously New Orleans meals are dank. And then I know that you went to Italy senior year. So how did that kind of like start? I mean, obviously everyone loves Italian food, but I think you have like a special love for pasta. So how did that kind of just like strengthen that? So that was the ultimate food tour. We did Rome and Florence. And like the best part about that trip is that we only ate like something about Italy that I guess we don't do in the United States because we're just like a mass consumer country. But everything that we ate was seasonal and everything we ate came from that specific region. So it was honestly something that I'd never experienced before. Like trying a cacio pepe from Rome was different than eating it at an Italian restaurant at all times here because everything was locally sourced. And like, I just remember everything on that trip having like, even though I had delicious pasta in Miami, it just like adds a different emphasis knowing that it was like born and bred there and perfected there. So it was just, it was awesome trying new things. And I don't know, I I love listening. I love getting what's best on the menu. Like that's my favorite thing to ask when I get to restaurants, like what is your best item on the menu? And in Rome, like in Florence, it was really easy because it was whatever was locally sourced and whatever was in season. So I knew that I would get the freshest, most delicious meal when I was there. It was awesome. For sure. I love that about Italy. And then kind of you mentioned that when you were younger, you would bake with your grandma. What's what's like the go-to recipe that you guys would do? Hmm. So we went through a lot of phases. I'm honestly more of a savory gal than a sweet gal. So like, even though I love banana bread, um, I guess one of my grandma's staples would be chicken pot pie and crispy mac and cheese those two hit home every time okay so you have experience working in the kitchen with your family and obviously there wasn't much to do during quarantine other than kind of like cook because we weren't really going out to restaurants and we were kind of missing that like going out to eat uh, activity that's like really popular in Miami especially with our families and our friends like that's kind of an activity that we all love to do. So what were some kind of recipes or things that you made in quarantine? And did that um, kind of help your liking towards like being comfortable in a kitchen and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, at school, this was my first year having a kitchen before I just was always on a meal plan and just never got to like chef it up. Um, So I definitely incorporated a lot of my quarantine meals into this semester. I think everyone's focus a lot over the quarantine was on chicken like I feel like I saw that all over social media like people would eat chicken literally five nights a week so I sort of perfected the cast iron chicken different recipes in there because I feel like those are just the easiest types that come out the juiciest and crispiest um um I love making salmon definitely focused a lot on salmon chicken just honestly in the quarantine we wanted to eat healthy because we weren't being active that much because we couldn't go to the gyms and it was disgustingly hot in Miami over the summer obviously so 
um, since our activity was semi-limited to indoors, like we just wanted to keep it really healthy and fresh at night. So it was a lot of salads and light proteins. Um, and I brought that all to school and I love cooking for my roommates every night. And it's just a really great activity. And just right now, like right now at school, I feel like all we do um, all day is stay on computers and do Zooms and like it doesn't differentiate between going to class versus doing homework. So as my little motivation during the day to get me through these like never ending hours staring at a computer, I just sort of like meal plan and get excited about cooking chicken, which seems crazy because who gets this excited about cooking chicken? But honestly, I do. So yeah, I feel that obviously you came to visit, um, I guess, two weeks ago at this point. And like we had that meal that we cooked and like, honestly, like it's fun to be with your roommates and just like cooking a meal and like that, you know, is going to be good. Like it's, I love it so much more. I was in an apartment last year, but I feel like I got way more into cooking over quarantine. So just like transitioning into an apartment this year was a lot easier. I felt a lot more comfortable and like willing to try new things in the kitchen. So it definitely helps like release my stress, like at the end of the day. And it's a good buffer in between like sitting on the computer all day and then like kind of going into like hanging out at night slash doing homework like whatever's needed yeah like I just feel like last year and freshman year um I missed home-cooked meals a lot like that was a big part that I missed um about home like just everyone gathering at the dinner table at night talking about their days and just like eating a delicious meal and we sort of get that this year because I have four of the roommates and we always eat dinner together and we always sort of coordinate with our meals so it's sort of nice like having that like familial aspect at school that I never had before what what's the favorite dish from your roommates that you make I think my eggplant parmesan what's the process for that so that's one of my favorites. Um, I got that recipe from my sister and basically it's like a non deep fried eggplant parm and you dry out the eggplant, cover it in flour and egg um, and just do like a little bit of a, like you cook it for like a minute on each side and like just a little bit of oil. It's not really like deep fried and there are no breadcrumbs. And then you, you do stacks in size order so it gets smaller as it goes higher. And um, you just add a layer of Parmesan, a layer of like roused tomato sauce. And you just do that until it's too high. And you stick it in the oven at I think 350 for 30 minutes. And it is absolutely delicious and so tender. And like, it's honestly one of the easiest meals. Cause like, it's like, there's only three things that you need to put into it. But um, you, just the eggplant, the Parmesan and the sauce, not counting like the flour and the eggs. So it's just a really easy meal and it's actually sort of fun to make um and it's just always delicious to pair with like some pasta or zoodles whatever your poison is it's so just, it's just are you excited to get home and kind of have like your parents lead the cooking or like are you definitely going to keep up your like lead chef momentum so over the quarantine i feel like it was an activity that my mom and my sister did just at the end of the day like when when my mom was done with work because we were all home every single day like it was just a nice activity it was sort of like a little bit of a trio my sister probably took the lead most nights but um yeah maybe I'll maybe I'll take some lead chef nights when I'm home um I'm sure they'd be happy to hand over the reins since they've been home cooking 
this entire time. Um, and I've actually tried a few new recipes since I've been here. So we're all into trying new things in the Gelber household. Definitely. And kind of switching gears from like the topic of food from cooking to eating, which obviously like is a very big part of understanding like what a place is, like who the people are from that place, like the cuisine of a different place that you travel to. We kind of talked about um, going to different places and like planning a trip around restaurants that you want to hit up. So what's kind of like your favorite cuisine and like what do you what like makes a restaurant good in your opinion? That is a very difficult question because I have two cuisines in mind and honestly I like them equally. I love them equally. It would be Japanese and Italian. Yeah. I love a simple pasta, just a spaghetti pomodoro that's like has a little bit of a have a little bit of a tang and just delicious fresh tomatoes and basil. Like I can eat that every single day for the rest of my life. Like as you know our favorite Italian restaurant in Miami Beach is Rossinella. And I think we've gone there like once a week since I've been home for my entire life. And I ordered the exact same thing, spaghetti pomodoro every single week and I never get tired of it. But sushi is just sort of like talking about like a freshness vibe. Like in Miami, the sushi is always so fresh and delicious and just like gives you that, um, I don't know, just that that fresh taste in your mouth and also Not like too filling, but it's still like delicious. And it's healthy, like it's just healthier. So um when I am feeling less like a heavy bowl of pasta, definitely I go the sushi route. And I have a million different rolls that I like to try, but um I hate to say it because I learned on my Italy trip that it was all a fake taste bud. And it was totally chemically maneuvered, but my favorite flavor at sushi restaurants, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of judgment for it, is like a little bit of artificial truffle oil hits the spot every single time. Like truffle fiend. Yeah, I am a truffle fiend. Like I'll, I order like a $10 bottle on Amazon and I'll milk that forever and just literally put it on everything always. So I am a truffle fiend and I am ashamed to admit it. I like get the whole truffle love, but I definitely don't base my orders on truffle like you do. I really wish I didn't, but it's definitely at restaurants. As soon as I see it on the menu, it grabs my attention. And I feel like the perfect consumer because I'm sure there are other people with the same um, longing for truffle as me, but it is definitely a weakness because truffle sort of masks the taste of whatever is below it. And, um, especially like the artificial truffle oil that is just literally a chemical. Um, it's so overbearing, but so I don't always like to do it because then my entire meal is just truffle and it tastes the same every single time. But if I'm going to be honest, I do it every single time. So yeah. whatever, no regrets, I guess, when it comes to ordering. And then like, I guess kind of a main topic that's been brought up like throughout this entire um, like recording so far is just like, tying back food to your family and like I know that in my family and in your family like um, gathering together for like Jewish holidays is always like a really important tradition and I feel like that's kind of where like our love for food comes from in a sense that like we always kind of associated a big meal like a big um, great like feast I guess in a sense like different types of food different types of people coming together and so like I was just 
wanting to get into like how do you think that like being Jewish like growing up a reformed Jew like kind of impacted that love for food too yeah like so I have a big family in Miami and our holidays are like 50 people holidays and we would host I think we host Kol Nidre which is um one of the biggest Jewish holidays and we would have I think 50 people over every single time and my mom would be so stressed for the days before planning and all of that jazz but um it was always really fun seeing the final products because we had just like it was it was a feast like we had different types of chicken brisket kugel um appetizers like it was just it's all the classic jewish dishes and it's just fun making them because honestly they're just like fun activities to make like matzo balls are the best like it's just they're really fun to do and they're delicious so it was fun perfecting those dishes I guess over the years and um also just gathering together with 50 people like it always feels like a there's always a sense of accomplishment at those meals because um cooking a good dinner for 50 of your family like is obviously a difficult task but we always get through it and it's always really fun to come together and eat it. So yeah. I, I, that's definitely, that's definitely a fond memory of mine growing up, the Jewish holidays and the meal surrounding it. Yeah. I'm happy that being in an apartment, you can kind of like recreate that vibe of like being with people on those important dates. And like, that's kind of hard to um, manipulate like in a dorm, but with the holidays coming up, like at the end of the year, I am excited to kind of be back with my family like you said like this is the longest we've probably gone without seeing them so um yeah I mean obviously food is a big part of being home like we're coming from two college towns to Miami which is like one of the main cities in America I would say so a lot of hype about that mm -hmm. and it deserves it all so totally um so yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps up like the food section of what I wanted to talk about. And like, I'm really excited to kind of introduce this next topic because I would kind of describe your family as like food and politics are like very important topics and like activities that you guys like to do and talk about. So obviously um, this podcast episode is super timely with the election last week. I think that right now, like America feels like as a whole feels a new sense of hope and like um, curiosity about like what the next few years are gonna look like. So um, to kind of get into the election, I wanna talk about the background that you have in politics. So where does that interest in the election and politics stem from? So I know this may sound like a cliche, but my mom literally went into labor with me while she was holding up signs for my dad's, I think like state Senate election in 2000. So that's where it all began. And I guess my entire life, both my parents, like my grandfather was also in politics as the mayor of Miami Beach. Um, I've been totally in the world of public service and public office. Um, my dad's been running for different public offices since I've been born. And I've really loved that part of my family because it's just sort of like, it's a spark connect. It's it's what, it's how we connect to social justice. Like both of my parents have such a strong sense of social justice. My mom is a prosecutor. My dad is the mayor of Miami Beach. And um, both of them have just basically centered their careers around social justice. And that's definitely how I'm trying to do it. But 
talking about how politics and food intertwines in my family. Basically, every single night at the dinner table, we spend talking about politics. There hasn't been one dinner where it is not mentioned in some degree. So, and by the way, it's not, it's not difficult. It's not obnoxious conversations like how it's been um, in the past year, I feel like during this election, like I know a lot of the political conversations have gotten very heated, but I just feel like I have a lot of production, productive conversations about social justice and um, different current events that are really pre prevalent to our nation and the world. And it's really interesting to see everyone in my family's perspective on it because we don't we don't all hold the exact same views on everything. So it's been a really important part of connecting me to politics and sort of shaping what I want to do with my life. Totally. I think that like it's also been not eye-opening but like interesting for your parents to kind of see like as you've grown up like the views that you have changed like with different exper experiences that you have like obviously um being a part of just like the reformed Jewish community I feel like social justice is like a really big topic that's kind of brought into like a lot of what we've grown up around so how has that like love for social justice in your family impacted like your experiences going to camp going to college like have you tried to find activities and clubs and programming that like gear towards social justice absolutely like just like truffle is a trigger word on a menu social justice is a trigger word for me in terms of like extracurricular activities in high school i loved um doing anything social justice related. Like I think I was, I was on the Miami Beach Youth Commission where we would plan just local events for um, Miami Beach Youth, which was really fun. And in college, it's been a little harder to get in touch with the clubs because Michigan is such a large campus and um, the clubs are just, they're not the easiest to maneuver. Um, there's a large array of them. So I've definitely stuck my toe in a lot. I think I'm in the ACLU at University of Michigan branch, which was really cool because that's definitely um, an outlet to different social justice events on campus. Um, I think University of Michigan is a very politically active campus. So every day there's a new protest or a new, um, there's a new protest or there's a new um, like- Initiative. Initiative, trying to get signed, trying to get passed on campus. Like just a few weeks ago, we had a graduate student strike and um, we all participated in it as students um, and supported them. So it's been, it's definitely been something that I've looked out for on campus. Um, most prevalently though, probably around the election cycles. This semester I spent most, this is this is the most politically active I've been on campus as I've been in, I've been um, a Biden, a Biden fellow for the past semester for the local Washtenaw County branch in Michigan. And I've been working on that, which has been a great experience. So um, obviously like your family's background and interest in politics has um, launched a future career in that sort of realm, studying political science and, and history. Um, in the future, do you kind of see yourself going into a position more like your dad's or your mom's or like what's kind of your plan? Like what what do you want to do with social justice and politics in your future? So I love Miami Beach and I honestly love local politics because I feel like nowadays people are so disenchanted with our government and how slowly and bureaucratic it moves. And um, I feel like local politics is just a really great form of government that um, 
gets things done and actually listens to each of the constituents. And I've just seen that through my dad's job that he loves how effective and efficient um, the government is and how just personalized it is to each of the constituents. I really love that aspect of local politics, but also, again, I love social justice. And as a prosecutor, that's what you fight for every single day. So I guess I would say that I'd like to do both in my career. I'm planning on having a long career. So hopefully I do get to do both. Totally. And kind of bringing in that like topic of uh, local governments being like a lot of like, uh, like things are passed for like individual constituents. Like it's very individualized towards like um, single communities. Um, obviously this was the first time we voted in a presidential election. And it sounds, that's like a crazy story that we're just going to like have for the, for like the rest of our lives. And like, I think that was like, a really important part of just being like an active citizen in our local communities but also like in the United States as a whole so what were your thoughts and feelings as like a first-time presidential candidate voter? Honestly my main feeling and thought at this time was that this election will be taught in our children's history books like this is such an important election in every aspect like there was a national emergency going on this entire summer. Um, there have been a million different things that have happened in 2020 that have caused for this political climate to just transform into such an active environment. And I just, it's been really, it's been really motivating to see how much people care in the United States. Cause I just sort of feel like in 2016, there was such low voter turnout and people just made jokes about the election and it just was not widely discussed compared to how it is on this scale. And like seeing, um, seeing this election and how much people care and how passionate people are has just been really incredible to see. And um, I love that this is, I love that this was the first election that I got to participate in. I agree. And what was your favorite part about this election? Did it teach you anything? Again, it was the passion. I mean, seeing like all of the people my age be so be so motivated and so passionate to go out and do everything that they possibly could to be the change that they wanted to see in our country. That was so enchanting. And I loved it just because like, I, like I have been I have been passionate about politics my entire life, but a lot of it sort of centered around my parents' jobs and what we would talk about with them. But I feel like this election was one of the first times that I had a passion separate from my parents. So that was really cool for me to see. And then also my friends who weren't politically involved before the summer, all just all of them became politically involved and all of them were very educated on current events. And I think that's just such a good, that's such a good and inspiring thing to see for the young people in America and hopefully this trend continues past this election and I really do think it will so um it's definitely the passion of people in our country like the fact that Joe Biden won most won the most votes possible okay the fact that Joe Biden won the most votes ever for a president-elect is so inspiring and I just think is a very big telltale of how passionate our constituents are right now so yeah I agree I think that the biggest change that this election brought like in my day-to-day -day life is like having um, topics about the election and different like political conversations be completely normalized in day-to-day -day conversations like I think I'm one of 
your friends that you met like when you said that um, a lot of your friends weren't like politically like involved day to day like I definitely um, made it a point to like educate myself on everything that was going on because I definitely wanted to be aware of all the change that was going to be brought on and how different policies depending on who was elected would affect me personally and I think that that was like the biggest change in this election was like the younger people and like the first time voters really like understanding what it meant to vote and how important and how far their vote goes rather than like just kind of voting what their parents vote. Um, so we kind of talked about like the highlights of this election, but obviously 2020 has been like a whirlwind of a year. Um, so much has gone on. What would you say the biggest struggle of this election was? I mean, this struggle was so important for a million reasons. There were so many things at stake. That's why there was such a strong sense of urgency in our country. Um, so I can't really say that there was one struggle, but I guess talking about moving forward after this election, and I guess I think one of the one an effect that we will definitely have to get over as a country is how divided we've been, just because as I talked about before passion for politics is a double-edged sword because the more passionate you are the more divisive you are from people that are equally as passionate but come from different perspectives and different ways of life so um as i've seen like it's just been a very divisive election conversations have been way more heated than i feel like they've ever been in my in my experience of political conversations everyone is involved everyone has such strong points of view which i think is so incredible to see but also the fact that people are the the fact that people are just so divided like joe biden in his president elect speech after he got a, as he after the election was called by the media sources said that i am a president for all and i want to unify our country and i think that is really important because i know that there that there were a lot of issues in this election that divided our country but we are the United States of America and we can disagree, but and we can disagree on every single topic that there is because most topics in our country are polarizing in one way or another, but to become unified and not to look at our neighbors as enemies and as like un-American just because of their political views, hopefully that we can get back to a point where that is the norm. I know right now it's really hard to see that because of how like how in how important and urgent this election has felt for everyone. But I just think that, I just am hopeful that we can get to a place where Republicans and Democrats can hopefully be friends again. And you aren't, you aren't friends with people solely because of their political views, even though right now it sort of feels like it's, it's not just political views, it's way past that. And I 100% agree with that, which is why I've had a lot of difficulty this summer in terms of maintaining my relationships with people that have different or opposing views of mine in terms of politics. But um, it is really saddening to see in the grand scheme of things, how divided our country is. And I just don't think that it's, I don't think that it's something that we will be able to maintain in the long run because like, even though we can disagree about things to just, to just to look at as our neighbors as enemies, I think hopefully, I just think hopefully we're able to get past this and just be a united country filled with differences because that's what the United States is. It's a melting pot of many different experiences and many different types of people. And that's all, that's that's what we our country should pride ourselves on. But hopefully um, this divide isn't, doesn't last for 
this upcoming, this next four years. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, uh, tensions were super high this summer. Everyone was trapped in their house and there was like a lot of injustice happening. And I felt like people weren't really sure what to do with like the negative sentiment that they felt. So it kind of took a toll on different relationships. So I definitely think that this time period will be like a time to repatch and rebuild and kind of move forward together. And um, like I said, like the coronavirus obviously impacted the election so much, but as someone that is gonna have a future in uh, the political sector uh, of work, how do you think um, the coronavirus impacts will will for like will change politics? Like I know that um, Joe Biden didn't have like any rallies because he didn't wanna like increase a spread of like people getting together. And like, I think that a lot of camp like campaign aspects uh, were different, like in my day to day, we kind of talk about how much right now social media is like super important and like promoting a brand because it's, we can't like go to a mall and like have FaceTime with certain brands that like we're maybe inclined to be a part of. So what were kind of those like modern changes that you saw um, change elections that have been so traditional for so long? I mean, definitely one of the biggest ones is that there wasn't I mean although I'm sure there was like Joe Biden did travel the country and President Trump did travel the country over the course of this election there wasn't as much of like the touring and going from place to place and that is just such an important part like hearing the stump speech and riling up local voters like there was definitely some aspects of that I think mostly at the end but the fact that this entire summer people were able to get so politically involved with little campaigning is such an odd thing because like think about think about the essence of a campaign like a campaign is created to rile up voters and to get them to persuade them to vote for your own candidate and the campaign was basically mostly virtual I guess for the side of president of president-elect Biden's so um the fact that social media sort of took and just the news media sort of took up most of this campaign, I think honestly was surprisingly effective. Like if you were on social media over the past summer, you would see political posts all over your entire newsfeed every single day. Like I still, it still is that no one posts, social media will not return back to normal pictures of your life for a very long time. I think, I think that this has sort of turned into a new normal where people post about their political views and different inspiring quotes talking about what candidates support. And that's just like, since social media is such a monster and has exponential reach, like the fact that, like, I think that the social media campaign made more strides than a physical campaign has ever done. Like the fact that it got so many young voters involved. I think a lot of that is at the hands of a, a really well-organized social media campaign. So that's definitely, I sort of, I think has defined, um, I think politi politics have just sort of defined social media over the past summer. So a lot of that has to do with the virtual campaigning. I agree. I think that a big part of that is kind of being in quarantine. Um, people felt really disconnected to maybe um, the type of friends that you see at a party, at a bar, like you're not really like, in contact with people that aren't like your like go-to people so I think that people turn to um, social media as a way to kind of informally um, 
educate and also update their followers on uh, what they're thinking in times. I think that Instagram for so long was so perfected, especially in the sense of like young people with like filters and Facetune and, and making sure that like you looked perfect on social media. But I think with the help of um, famous people, athletes, celebrities, political um, candidates, like showing everyone on social media that like it's okay to just be a normal person like with your own opinions and like um advertising that brand towards um like your followers is totally normal and I think that what people learn from that is that um your political views and your views on general and your updates the recipes you're making in quarantine um you going to the beach during quarantine, listening to music, going on a walk, something as simple as that is something that is so simple, but also so effective in someone's life. And like, it's not just like the perfect things that are all on an Instagram grid. It's also like the imperfect things, the imperfect thoughts, and just like building that as part of a brand of someone. Yeah, I think that aspect of social media has just been really refreshing this summer. Like, Social media has definitely been a source for stress beforehand in terms of only posting your most perfect pictures and only posting the most perfect aspects. Like there just is that part of human nature that makes you compare your lives to others. And of course the aspect of fear of missing out. Like I know that there's just been sort of um, an epidemic in terms of depression of among, among young people just because of how the monster of social media and how it causes so much societal pressures but I think the fact that social media has mostly been consumed by for example um by like the fact that social media has been used as an educational platform this summer I think is really important I think that it's used as an outlet for mental health or an outlet to to educate people about different current events in the world just the fact that it's sort of made that transition from you being used solely as a platform to compare your lives to others but now it's a platform to educate and as uh, to uh, let me say this the fact that social media has previously been used as a platform to compare your lives to those of others then the fact that it is now just an educational platform i think is a great step forward for our generation because we are the first generation to be raised on social media. It's definitely impacted how we socialize and it has socialized us personally. So hopefully this continues on for the next generation because I do think that there are a lot of toxic parts of social media that should be abolished. And I think that um, a lot of people are trying to do that and politics is definitely sort of aiding that aiding that epidemic of comparing your lives to those of others, I think. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we definitely just got deep into like how like politics and coronavirus and social media is all like kind of intertwined because I just feel like that those three topics are just like very, very um, prevalent right now in all of our lives. But um, I'm happy to kind of wrap up that section. I thought we, um, did a great job of kind of like going into the sentiment um, of a young person voting and the young person's um, thoughts towards the election. So um, to kind of just cool things off and wrap things up, I would definitely love to go through some quick hit questions with you. 
Um, I guess the first one would kind of be like, what was the experience moving from Miami Beach to Ann Arbor? Obviously, totally different climates. So, I know every as soon as I tell everyone, I'm I when I was a senior in high school and I told everyone I was going to the University of Michigan, everyone asked me, why are you going there? You live in Miami Beach, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I think those people are dramatic. It really was not that bad. Like you get a good coat, you navigate your day so that you're not outside that much. And it's absolutely doable. And although it definitely was hard because I mean, growing up, I was outside at least three hours a day, like from sports or just from going on walks or just from being in school outdoors. Like I was just always outdoors in Miami beach climate. Um, and in Michigan, you sort of have to change that habit. I, when it's cold outside, I'm probably outside under 20 minutes a day, which is difficult, but also, um, I think the fact that I have such a good community here has helped it because I know there are some, there, there are definitely some aspects of the climate that make it harder because I love being outside and I love getting in touch with nature, but it's really difficult when it's absolutely freezing and your ears are ringing because of how cold it is outside. But having a lot of friends indoors has definitely made it really easy because um, they, I don't know, they offer me the warmth then I don't get in Miami Beach. I know that sounds a little bit cliche, but it's definitely helped in terms of the seasonal depression. Yeah, definitely. And now that we're like juniors, which is kind of crazy to say, and you're like very established, I guess, in Ann Arbor, what are some favorite restaurants or bars that you've kind of found there? So Michigan, I would say, and the Midwest in general, makes one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. I know what you think I'm going to say, and it's not that. I'm not going to say Zingerman's. Zingerman's is a delicious deli in Ann Arbor, and I love it. But my favorite local sandwich shop, I would say, is Maison Blue. It's a block from my house, and they make the most delicious chicken cuts, cutlet sandwich on Hollabread, and it's toasty and delicious and hits the spot every single time. And there's just a million different sandwich parlors in Ann Arbor, and I love trying all of them because... They just have a uh, they just have a little bit of a midwestern twist on sandwiches that we don't really get in Miami, you know. So, I love a good sandwich, definitely. Yeah, totally. And then favorite restaurants in Miami. Okay, so this one's very obvious because you know me so well, but definitely Pabelli Sushi. I love it. I especially love their happy hour and a lot of their half priced rolls. It's so fresh, so delicious, and they always have a large. Um, portion of truffle if I want to add it on any rolls so that's a crowd pleaser for me and anything else anything else Rossinella again my I love Japanese I love Italian Rossinella has the best spaghetti in Miami Beach and I love it I will be going there for the rest of my life so I know that for a fact all right definitely I mean that wraps up on questioning um this is obviously episode two of F Words. Thank you everyone for listening in. Thank special thanks to Hannah Gelber for being the second guest and kind of um, talking about more lifestyle topics rather than sports, which is kind of a change up for me, but happy to do it. And thanks again. Any last words to the audience? Uh, go blue. <laughs> we'll see about that. All right. Um, all right. Thank you all for listening. And, um, See you next time on F-Words.